Well, it's great to be uh, be here again. It's ages, been ages. I've, been, I've had um, the church has been very. Kind. I know no one asked your permission, but the church has been very kind, giving me uh, three months off, uh, which was, I, to be honest, at first felt a little stressy because I'm so used to dashing here and dashing there. I didn't know how to do nothing, so it's good to learn to have moments where you do nothing. I think uh, it's very good for you. And uh, slept for England and won. A champion sleeping, and then read a ridiculous amount of books and uh, travelled here and there, had some holidays, saw some elephants and crocodiles and lions in Uganda, and uh, it was good, visited some other churches. The best thing was spending some time chatting about a massive amount of things with Debbie during the whole, uh, just so much time together, which was, uh, which was great. And the thing I missed, I visited some other churches, the thing I missed most uh, was just worshipping here, I went to some churches where the worship was mag- magnificent, full of God and lovely, but I, I really miss that, that being in a church where one person's got a verse, another one's got a short teach, there's a prophecy or there's a tongue or an interpretation. I want to encourage us to keep, let's keep learning yeah. about that because it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, I, I really miss that. I visited some other churches, I enjoyed it, it's very strange. And uh, some churches you get a great welcome, others not so hot. Uh, but, but it's the family of God in all its kind of peculiarness. Is that a word? It is now. And, uh, but it, so it was great. It was really good. But I did miss being uh, just in, in the family of God here. Anyway, I, I would like to speak this morning. I've got about a million verses, but no reading. But, um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I want to speak about healing. And uh, I've, I've had a kind of, if I'm honest, start with kind of, Cards on the table. I've had a kind of checkered relationship with healing. It's kind of, you know, like some of our relationships go a bit up and down. Uh, so I, I, I once had a throat problem. I was just finished Bible college and I had a throat problem. I could hardly speak for, a, and it went on two, two and a half years, was it? I can't, can't really remember. It's in the mist of time now. And, uh, and um, I went to doctor. I had my throat cauterized, which is very unpleasant. I had my tonsils out. I had all sorts of different treatments. Nothing worked. And, and to be honest, I had some of the most kind of holy hands. Some of the kind of top hands were kind of laid on me. And more hands laid on me than the England rugby team. And, uh, and, and do you know what? Nothing happened whatsoever. And this just kind of went on and on and on. And eventually, uh, we led a youth group in those days. And one of the lads in the youth group came up and said, uh, "God, in, in a kind of youthy kind of way, God wants me to heal you, he said. You know, because he didn't know any better. And anyway, it seemed, and why not? So, uh, so I said, all right then. So he, he organized, got all the youth group around me, prayed for me. And the funny thing was that the next day, one of the elders in our church came around and said, this is very peculiar, but I think God's uh, told me to come around and finish your healing off. So he just put his hand on me and said, be healed in Jesus' name. Yeah, I think that's it. And, uh, and, and off he went. And the amazing thing was, uh, I was healed. So that's a kind of... But, but I want you to note that that didn't happen overnight. Uh, sometimes it does. I was at the, um, in a conference once and a guy came forward. I was a Christian leader. You know what it's like when you're in a conference and there's more people come forward than there are a ministry team. If you're a leader, you get lumbered. 
That's just sort of, just to tell you that how it feels, and you think, oh no. So so anyway, I, was, I had to go forward because you know you're supposed to be a Christian, and um, <laughs> and uh, and the guy came forward and said, would you pray for me? I I I've been deaf in this ear for ten years, and uh, my faith was not ultra high. Let's just say that. But I invited the Holy Spirit to come and do him good. And uh, I've quite prayed my best prayer. And, and, I, and I just said, you know, put my hand on his ear and said, be healed in Jesus' name. He said, whoa! And I, I, I said, oh, I apologise. You know, sorry. <laughs> what, what have I done? He said, no, no, it was a big bang. And now I, I can hear. It's the first time in 10 years I can hear. So that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. I, I've also prayed for people and buried them, just to be, I'm going to be honest about it because that's that's my experience yeah. and you, you kind of it might not be your experience you might have prayed everybody you've prayed for has been healed it's not been my experience thus far up till that's now that's just the reality of it i remember praying for brian sciatica was it brian once and that got healed didn't it so that was that was great so i've had some dramatic ones we had someone in our church when i was leading a church in bedford once a lady not a believer came to church in desperation she'd had all the chemotherapy she could have she had a, a lung cancer and uh, she'd had a scan after all her treatment and then time had elapsed. She, she still had lung cancer. She was so desperate she came to church. And uh, she said, could the leaders of the church, do you, do you do that healing stuff? So he said, well, well, we'll pray for you. So we arranged a date, went round. I, I couldn't say I had sky-high faith. Uh, but she'd asked for prayer. So, so we went round, we prayed for her. Six weeks later, she came round to say, look, you know I said that I had lung cancer and I hadn't healed it and the scan still showed it was there. There's nothing now. My latest scan, there's nothing there except, except scar tissue. So, so that's a high. There's been highs. There's been lows. I've had things, and I praise God for the NHS and medical service. I've had things that have just got better I, because I've outlived them. <laughs> or because I've had the right medicine. If you get amoebic dysentery, you need the right an- antibiotic, and it kind of kills it off before you're killed off. And it's great. So I thank God for healing however it comes. And I just want to just talk this morning, just for a short while, about why does God heal? Often we ask the other question, why? Well, I was prayed for, I'm being prayed for, uh, and nothing's happened yet. But I, want, I, want to, I felt to just take it the other way and lay a bit of a foundation uh, for healing, and I, I probably won't get through my notes, so we we'll probably have to come back to this an, another time. Uh, but I, I just thought it was it was worthwhile because I, because I, the church can kind of say we're supernatural, tip our hat to that as a concept, uh, and then go on, go on our way and live like everybody else. And and I I think it's a there's um we have to contend for the supernatural. Uh, there's more there's more in life than a dreamt of in our philosophies, someone once said. Uh, God is supernatural, but you can't put him in a box. Right. You can't say if we pray X, Y, Z, then A, B, C happens. Or even exactly. if we pray A, B, C, X, Y, Z happens. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's mysterious. Yes. But, but we are, God's spirit lives within us. That's been something that's come through this morning. He's around us. He's with his church. He's in his church. And so we can believe him for more than we've seen up till now. That's right. And so I want to just kind of stir up Faith, at, at, but not a faith that's weird. Yeah. I, I have been in contexts where lots happens, but it's just weird. <laughs> and and uh, now, again, God can do weird things. I mean, it's not normal to put mud in people's eyes, tell them to go and wash and they're healed, but it happened. <laughs> so yeah. God doesn't have to do things the way I think he should. He can do what he likes. He's God on high. But, but as a church, we want to be naturally supernatural. Yeah. 
just God's with us. Let's pray. Let's see what he does. We don't have to hype things up. In fact, we can hype things down, but believe God. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm coming from. So why does God heal? And uh, the first point I want to make is it's because of his compassion and mercy. Yeah. It's because of his compassion and mercy. The Hebrew word for compassion in the Old Testament is, is a word called Raham. And do you know what it means? It means womb. Isn't that interesting? The word for compassion is rooted in the same worm for, for womb. What, why that word? Most likely it's because God's compassion as is, is as intense as the feelings a pregnant woman might have for her unborn child. There's that, there's that longing, there's that intense love. And that, that phrase is used of God. I don't know what your conception of God is, stern headmaster, distant professor, but God, this picture of God is God feeling intensely for people, as intensely as a mother or as a parent would feel for their child. God has an intense love, a compassion for us, for people. I don't know if you knew that, if that's news. I, hope, I, I, I think it's great news. In fact, when God self-describes, when he describes himself, they're the first words he uses. When other people meet God, when, when John the Baptist met the risen Jesus, when Isaiah saw the glory of God, the first words he uses, and, and when angels describe God, it's, it's holy, holy, holy. He's so other than us, so powerful, so mighty, so pure, so beyond our understanding that John fell on his face as though dead and needed lifting up. Isaiah cried out, woe am I, I'm an unclean man, I've got unclean lips. That's, that's the effect of God and how other people see and describe God. But when God describes himself, Exodus 34, do you remember Moses said, show me what you're like, God. Show me, show me your glory. Show me your personality. What were the first words God used? The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. So when God describes himself, that might not be the first word you might use to describe God. That's the first word God uses to describe God. Compassionate and gracious. Now that's good news, isn't it? God is compassionate. And God heals today, sometimes, because he doesn't change. He still is compassionate. Now, if you're a note taker, I'm going to throw out a whole load of verses. I won't look them all up because time's too short. But uh, Matthew 14 is a general verse about Jesus' ministry. Matthew 14, verse 13 and 14. Jesus landed, he'd gone over on the boat. He always seemed to be zipping about on boats. Uh, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. So the first thing was Jesus felt something. Some people's Christianity is kind of devoid of feeling, uh, kind of a bit suspicious. It's all got to be what you think. But, and yeah, we don't want to be ruled by feelings, but feelings are God-given. Yeah. And, and Jesus felt compassion. And what happened because of that compassion was this, and he healed their sick. Yes. The compassion of Jesus. And you find often in the Gospels, it's compassion that motivates, that pushes people forward. Now, that's encouraging on two levels. I want to encourage us on two levels. One is to know that God feels like that towards us, towards the person you see sitting on the street looking miserable, towards the person in your family that's unwell. He feels compassion. And secondly, we can feel that too. We can be motivated. When you feel that kind of stirring in your womb, if you have one, in your guts, if you don't, when you feel that, that let's let's be prepared to kind of live a little, have an adventure, push the boat out. I read a book on sabbatical, um, 
you know, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. That's right. You might get soaked as well, but you, know, but you might be one of the people that walks on water. Jesus, Jesus was motivated at Mark chapter 1, 41 and 42, when he, he sees lepers. And, and uh, some translations say he was indignant. I like that. I like that. And, and, and it's a similar word. It's that stirring, deep inside. It's not in the head. It's a stirring deep so, somewhere in, in your guts. The AV used to talk about compassionate. used to talk about bowels. In fact, there's a famous Puritan book called Bowels of Mercy, which sounds a bit yuck. <laughs> but it's more felt. What it's saying is it's more felt than telt. There's a stirring in Jesus. He's, he's indignant. He's filled with strong feelings. Filled with compassion, and he heals these lepers. There's, a, there's another uh, story uh, of a demonized youth told in Mark chapter 9, verse 22. Someone who's troubled by forces that he doesn't understand, they're, they're outside of him, and he's troubled by, by the demonic. And, and, and they're pleased, Jesus says this please take pity on us. They're appe- appealing to Jesus' emotional life, if you like, saying, please have pity on us. Be compassionate, it's sometimes translated. And on the basis of that, they ask Jesus, if, if you feel this compassion, then please do something. It's the, the, the emotional life of Jesus, if you like. Jesus moti- uh, was motivated by uh, compassion when he healed the blind. Matthew 20 and verse 34, there's two blind men. He's in, in or near Jericho. And it says, Jesus had compassion. They're crying out, Jesus, have compassion on me and he touched them and, and they received their sight do you remember the story of the widow's uh, the, the widow's son where, where, where Jesus kind of interrupts a funeral yeah. even to raise the dead and it says his heart went out to her yes. it, it, was, it was an emotional response God is compassionate Jesus is compassionate even the feeding of the 5,000 was because of compassion for the crowd I have compassion on all these people. Why don't you feed them? Gulp. Why don't you do something for, for them? I, I pray to God we have a, a revelation of his compassion and that we're moved by the same. So if you're, some people are not wired that way, that's fine. If you're not wired emotionally. But if you are, don't despise it. And every, every personality has its strengths and weaknesses. If you're wired in a way that you feel things deeply, don't despise it. Learn, learn to hear God through it. Learn to step out in the compassion that God has given you. It's not soppy. Well, it is soppy. I'm soppy. It's the way God's wired me. But, but, but it's more than that because compassion, uh, under the direction and help of the Holy Spirit, can be a reflection of the character of God. Yes. So rather than seeing your, your kind of... That, if you're wired that way, rather than seeing it as a weakness, why not see it as something that God can use? Yeah. God heals because he's compassionate. And another key word is mercy. So he heals because of his compassion and mercy. Compassion is the emotion. Mercy is the action. You feel, you act. sometimes we feel things and do diddly squat. We do nothing. But, but the compassion is supposed to, it's, it's, it's the button God presses for prayer or action. It, you know, you feel compassion. What do you do? Well, you might give something to charity. You might intercede. You might step out and pray for someone. That, it, Compassion is what you feel. Mercy or grace is how you then act towards others. And Jesus was always responding to cries for mercy. Uh, 
similar story uh, in, in Jericho was that there was another one with two blind people. It's recording in uh, Matthew 9, 27 to 31, where they cried out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Similar story told in Matthew 20, verse 29 onwards for, for blind people. There's, there's more stories with people troubled by the demonic. Matthew 15, 22. Lord, have mercy on me, the Canaanite woman. That's a great uh, and, and quite interesting exchange that Jesus had with a lady that wasn't part of the people of Israel. And, but she calls out to him on the basis of mercy. Or the, or the man with the demonized son. Have mercy on my son. A, see, we never deserve healing. We don't, have kind of, we don't really have rights. But, but God is merciful. He's gracious. He acts towards us in ways we don't begin to deserve. And I'm so grateful. I don't know about you. Or the ten lepers. Do you remember the ten lepers came to him for healing? Jesus healed, he said, go on your way. And, you, and they, as they went, they found they were healed. And, and how many came back to thank Jesus? One. Exactly, just one. He healed them. And he said, and only one, and only one come back? That's amazing. That's how we are sometimes, isn't it? Not so grateful. But this key word is mercy. There's a large number of texts. If you do a Bible study on, on mercy or compassion, large number of texts. And Jesus, uh, the large numbers, so that Jesus' compassion, his desire to show mercy were big factors for healing in the New Testament. Jesus was touched in his guts by pain, by sickness, sickness of others, and he reached out to touch them. Jesus is not aloof. He's, he's, he's not. His spirit is not aloof. He's, he's with us. He's with us right now. He's with you in your life, not just in church meetings, yep. though, though in the present, when we come and worship, he's especially present, I think. But he's with us all the time. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit. We carry him around with us. We can grieve him or we can work with him. Let's work with him. And touch others. Our motivation mustn't be for just excitement, although I prefer an exciting church to a really boring one. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's not just a doctrinal thing. It's not even a style of meeting we're after. It's entering into the lives of people who are struggling, who are hurt, who are sick, who are down, who are, and ministering with the love and the compassion of Jesus. That's our motivation. Not to do with a... a, a, a our church or its reputation, nothing like that. God's not so interested in that, really. It's to do with showing his compassion, showing his mercy. Is that all right so far? Okay, so far so good. Okay. Uh, secondly, secondly why does, second answer to why God heals is because he wants his name to be glorified, which is really what I've just said, I suppose. Do you remember the raising of Lazarus, where Jesus delayed turning up? to the funeral, uh, and uh, the two sisters of the guy that had died just distraught. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Oh, that must have got Jesus. The primary purpose, though, of raising Lazarus was this, John 11, verse 4. It's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. It's for the, it's for the glory of God. It's to give attention to God, who he is, what he's like. The same, exactly the same uh, for Peter as he explains the healing of the lame man at, at the temple gate. I think Gordon spoke on this, that one last week, didn't he? It's just superb. Acts, Acts 3, verse 12 and 13. Why does this surprise you, says Peter? The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. 
Then a bit later, uh, in, in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 21, they were all glorifying God for what had happened. It brought attention to God. That was the response to Jesus' healing as well. Matthew 15, verse 30 and 31, it says, Great crowds came, lame, crippled, blind, dumb, and he healed them. Didn't heal everybody, because there was still the guy at the beautiful gate that Jesus must have passed loads of times. But, but he did. there were occasions where everyone was healed. But anyway... It says, the people were amazed as they saw the dumb speaking and the cripples restored, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. The glory of God. Because God wants his name glorified, he will touch and heal people. You see this a lot in the Gospel of Luke. Do you remember the story of the paralytic through, through the roof? I remember acting that out one August with a rope over one of these beams and teddy, teddy bears being lowered into the roof. <laughs> that was good fun. <laughs> But when he healed the guy, he said, which is easier? Is it easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or uh, you can't really prove that. You can't see anything. And he, sa- uh, and he said, to prove he had authority to forgive sins, he says, uh, take up your mat and walk. Yeah. And, and it says, they were amazed and gave praise to God and were filled with awe. It was a wow moment as they praised God for the healing of that uh, uh, paralytic. Uh, Luke 7.16, when the widow of Nain's son was raised from the dead, it says, they were filled with awe and praised God. Uh, Luke 13, verse 13 and 17, there was a woman bent double, troubled by evil. She straightened her back and praised God, unlike some of those, uh, those lepers that were healed. She straightened her back and praised God. And Jesus expected this, that response. That's why he was so disappointed with the nine out of ten lepers, I guess. Where are the other nine, he says. Why, was no one found who turned back to give glory to God? Luke 17, verse 17 and 18. And it's the same today. God wants all the glory to go to him and his son. Not to us. Not to any individual with a healing ministry. Not, not to Hope Church. We don't, we don't deserve any glory. Do you know, there's a man I read um, last week or the week before, a man called William Duma, black South African guy, massively used in healing in South Africa. Uh, and when he died, do you know what the title of his biography was? Take your glory, Take your glory Lord. I love that. There's a man, a man who knew what's what. It's not, not, about, not about William Duma, though he was massively used by God. It's all about God. So our aim must never be to have a healing ministry as a church or an individual. And, and at the other end of the extreme, our aim is not to avoid looking silly. You, you know, I don't know if you've ever been there. Just bit, sometimes I think, oh, if I, but what, do you ever have this thought in your hand? What if I pray for this person and nothing happens? Will I look silly? Anyone else ever had that thought? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so pleased I'm not alone. That's really, that's really good. <laughs> no, you don't look silly. You know, it doesn't, really, God's not too worried if I look silly or not. And my feet thing is uh, my problem with my feet. You know, I've got this stick now. It's a fairly r- ridiculous stick, but I'm grateful for it. I've got this walking stick thing, and if you pull it up, it's called a tadar, because if you pull up a twisted little lever at the top, it turns into a stall, and, and you can sit down on it. Ta da! And, and you know what? You feel complete and utter pracked. You, you, you feel a complete wally. But do you know what? At least you can go for a walk. And, and what, the thing I've learned is this God doesn't care very much if Richard Thomas looks silly. You know, I, you know, I look fairly silly anyway. But God, God's, God's, not, God's, not really, God's not really bothered 
about whether you are... That's not the issue. The issue is, what's the worst? The worst can happen is someone feels, feels loved because you prayed for them. Now, that's the absolute minimum when you pray for someone. So that's not bad, isn't it? You pray for someone, they feel loved by you, hopefully loved by God. That's, that's the minimum. That's the worst. That, if that's the worst that can happen, why not step out of it? Yeah. Eh? Jesus looked extremely silly when he died on the cross. And, and I know that all the carved crucifixes give him a loincloth, but people were crucified naked. It was humiliating. He looked very silly. God's first thought isn't whether we look silly. It's not about our reputation. It's all about giving glory to God. Yes. Giving God the opportunity to work, to do what he sovereignly wants to do. And it's something, it's something we've got to kind of just get over. Just get over. You see, if you don't want to take the credit, it's important for this reason. If you don't want to take the credit when someone is healed because it goes to God, then you don't have to take the blame if they don't get healed. You see, does that make sense? Yeah. If you don't want to take the credit if someone's healed, then you don't have to have to take the blame if they're not healed. Let's, give, let's be careful to give God the glory for every healing. Now, the third, third thing is just, we haven't got enough time to do it. The, the third, thing is, third reason is because he responds to faith, but that's maybe another sermon. So we'll save that for another time. And we'll, we'll just add in this, because of who he is. God heals because part, one of his names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Exodus 15 says, I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals you. I think it, it's the, in Hebrew, it's a, a similar word for, that is used later for doctor. I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 30 verse 2, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. You brought me up from the realm of the dead. He's the healer of his people. Jesus healed because it's an expression of who God is. So let's rely on him, on who he is. He's full of compassion and mercy. He wants to glorify his name. He responds to faith. We'll look at that another time with some more stories from the gospel. And it's who he is. So I believe we have to contend for healing. No, we have not because we asked not. We, there was a time when we used to meet at the school in the old days. <laughs> and, uh, and because we had tons of space, communion tables kind of in the distance over there and over here. And, and we had plenty of time. And we used to pray for people nearly every week. And I, I thank God for that time. But we need to get back to seeing healings. We saw healings, quite a lot of healings. Yes, and we need to get back to that. I remember um, Colin, Colin Baggs out in, the, out in the community going down some steps in Birmingham, seeing a guy struggling, praying for his Achilles tendon or heel, and the guy, the guy was healed. I remember Jane Haley praying for somebody's knee in the middle of a charity shop. She's like that. And, <laughs> and, and the lady was, was healed. That's a marvellous thing. So let's contend for that. I want to finish by uh, just reading you a story. It's got... Uh, and uh, then I just pray for one thing. So um, this is in a book, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, by a guy called Jack Deere. Uh, in Janu- January the 15th, 1990, Dwayne Miller, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texas, lost his voice at the end of the Sunday morning service and couldn't preach Sunday evening. Uh, no one tells me if the congregation were pleased or disappointed. But anyway, his physician told him to take a six-month leave of absence, but he still failed to recover. The doctors told him the myelin, I don't know how you say this, myelin sheath to his vocal cords had been damaged and he wouldn't get his voice back. 
He tried voice therapy, that didn't help. So he resigned his pastorate in the autumn of 1990. In 1992, he began to teach a Sunday school class at, at First Baptist Church in Houston. He was able to do this by using a special microphone, but even with that special microphone, his throat was so sore he could hardly eat for two days after teaching. On Sunday morning, January the 17th, 1993, he'd just finished reading Psalm 103, verse 3 to his Sunday school class, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He stopped to comment on that verse, saying there were two extreme views regarding healing. Listen to Duane's own words. I said that on the one side, there is the group that believe God always heals miraculously. And on the other is the group that says, well, it never happens. But what you have to realise is that both put God in a box. I said, he won't be put in a box. I told them that what you have to do with divine healing is stand back and say, I know God does that from time to time, and I can't tell you why. I don't understand why some are healed and some aren't. And I leave it there and say, it's the Lord's wisdom, so be it. I just finished saying that and started to read read the next line of the psalm. He redeems my life from the pit. And my voice changed. I heard the first word and felt in my throat that what I'd been feeling had gone. There was none of that feeling there that I'd had for three years. I'd love to tell you I knew exactly what it was and that I expected God to do it and wasn't surprised. But that would be a lie. It scared me to death. I stopped, startled, and then said two or three words, thinking, am I hearing what I think I hear? I said to them, I didn't understand what was going on, but that God was doing something. I tried to get back to the lesson, but I couldn't, and nobody cared. People began to applaud. Everyone was weeping. There were about 200 in that class. There were no dry eyes. Someone began to sing the doxology. Someone else said, we witnessed the power of God. We thanked God for what he'd done and walked out of the church. Almost three years to the day after Dwayne Miller lost his voice, the Lord gave it back again. The Lord didn't explain to Dwayne why he lost his voice or why he gave it back again. And it's a great story, don't you? Yeah. It's got some reality to it. And I hope it encourages you as it's encouraged me. Let's, uh, let's pray, shall we? Yeah. I'd love to pray. I just had, um, just while we're in the worship, just had a picture of someone with a kind of brain, a bit like a gyroscope. And I'm not sure if that's... Uh, I want to pray for people who suffer headaches. But I, I think also there may be someone who's just um, afflicted by thoughts that are just troubled, tumbling thoughts, you know, when you can't stop thinking and you're in in confusion. So I just want to pray about that. So let's just bow bow our heads. Lord, I I pray for the person whose thoughts are just a jumble of confusion, troubling thoughts that tumble round and round in their head. Holy Spirit, come, come and bless them. Speak to confusion and say, go, in the name of Jesus. Pray for any forces that cause confusion to go in the name of Jesus. I pray your peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that comes when we can't work out what's what, whether up is up and down is down and 
There's a confusion of thinking. God, I pray your peace in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray for any who suffer continued headaches. I ask you, Lord, great physician, come by your spirit. I pray healing in the name of Jesus. Or whether that's caused by nerves or by tension, by anything else, I pray for your healing power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Glorify your name, Lord. Glorify your name. Act with compassion and mercy and help us to do the same. Increasingly, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.